It's Thursday, July 22nd, and you've got Oz in your ears. I'm Yeri Jero, the host of America's world-class web game, Empire Jeopardy! Today's contestants, he's a vertical urban farmer from battered Washington. Meet Jack Browndart. How's it going, Jack? It's growing, Mr. Jero. Up and up and up. He's the commander of former intelligence in Syncom Dread Sent AFPAC in Hintsville, Arkansas. Meet Lieutenant Colonel Butter Braunschweig. Colonel, what is Syncom Dread Sent AFPAC? Well, it wasn't in long enough to find that out, Yuri. She's a loan denier for Windjammer Gogol in Jockey Shorts, Illinois. Meet Swendaloo Zimmer. Working hard, Swendaloo? Saying no is becoming a real growth business, Mr. Gerald. Well, the rules are as simple as our contestants. Win two and we talk. Lose two and you walk. Tie and you try again next time. Here we go. 221,943,567. What's a number large enough to confuse people? Uh, what is the cost of a B1 stealth fuselage? What is the number of barrels of oil that BP has spilled into the Gulf as of an hour ago? One for you, Jack. I see you stay on top of things. Okay, here we go again. Hiding billions of dollars of debt by not selling what you don't want until you get it back. What is window dressing? That was fast, Swindaloo. Easy. I used to date one of the Lehman brothers when I worked at B of A. Well, we're down to it now. Swindaloo and Jack, maybe we talk. Butter Braunschweig, maybe you walk. Yeah. Here it is. Red Cloak for breakfast. What's the latest gluten-free diet? What is taking an early meeting with the Cardinal? What is the Hopi symbol of the cataclysmic purification of America? Bingo! <laughs> yeah, we talked about it all the time at Dread Sand. Well, you get to talk some more about it because you tied it up and you'll all be back next time on Empire Jeopardy! I'll bring a PowerPoint with me. RadioFreeOz.com. I'm glad I'm back. I hope you're glad I'm back. We're back. I'm Peter Bergman, your host, co-host, David Osmond. Hey, Pete, and it's uh, we're just over the hump of July now. Yeah, right. Now we're going to slide down the other side. The slippery slope of July. Yes, yes. Moving into blackberry season. Oh, blackberry season here, not blackberry season necessarily. Everywhere. Remember, we're on the web, so right now in, like, uh, Auckland, it's winter whatever it feels like to be winter in Auckland. I, uh, all those little auks, yeah. uh, they don't like it. Well, well, or maybe they do like it. Well, they got to bundle up. They're little kiwis, right? They, yeah. Knit them those little sweaters. The little they're kiwi so sweaters. Cute. They're awfully so cute. So cute. Well, you're being, you're being awfully cute, David. This is, the, this is a time of good feeling, you know? I think so. I mean, I the oil so. well has, has stopped, I think. Now, this is not today. This is another day from today, so I may be saying something that's not true at all. But that... That goes with the... But, uh, but at least it's, it's sort of like uh, being given, you know, 90 days to close the well. All right, you got 90 days to turn that thing off. And they made it, you they know, made day it. 89 or something You know like what really, that. really frightens me, though, that when the well is finally capped, if it has, it may have exploded, who knows. The fact is, when it's finally shut down, people are going to go... Whoa, well, that's over. Whoa, how about them Yankees? Yeah, sure, and uh, and uh, Lady Gaga, and... Uh, well, you know, she donated all those Gaga wigs to uh, to sop up that stuff with the poodle hair boom. It was very generous of her, and I know she and I know she did some posing by the beach, too, to attract workers down there to the, uh, to the uh, uh, southern shores. Yeah, yeah. Well, how did they get 
Alabama and Mississippi, you like squeezed in. So each one of them has got like the frontage. Uh, you know, when they drew the maps, you, if you look at that, here's Florida. Florida's got the whole thing, right? And then it sort of crowds west around. Mm, well, grabs, you, heard, you, know? you heard of the, the Great Land Grab? That was known as the Great Land Squeeze. Oh. Yeah, I know it's bad out there, but sometimes I wonder, how bad does it get? Just how mean-spirited, how, what can I say, not un-American, but how totally out of it can our representatives get? Well, two Republican congressmen are urging other countries, including potentially some where homosexuality is a crime punishable by death, to vote against an American-led effort in the UN to recognize a respected international gay rights group. My, oh my, of course it's guys. You know, they're the ones that lead the anti-abortion campaign and shoot all the doctors. They're the ones who have got lots of time on their hands. I wish these Republican congressmen had more time on their hands by being voted soundly out of office. (laughs) Fondly to be wished. The International Gay and Lesbian Human Rights Commission has been trying since May 2007 to win accreditation from the United Nations, which would allow the NGO to have a voice at the international body. But the group's application for consultative status has been deferred by the status-granting NGO committee until early last month, when the committee voted to block its application. Among the countries voting against the application, Egypt, Angola, Burundi, China, Pakistan, Qatar, Russia, and Sudan, in all of those countries, but Russia and China, LGBT people can be jailed, fined, whipped, or killed if they are caught by authorities. After last month's vote, Ambassador Susan Rice submitted a resolution to the Consul to consider the group's application directly, saying the organization's widely respected advocacy and research has given a voice to those who have long suffered in silence. But two Republicans, Representative Chris Smith of New Jersey and Trent Franks of Arizona, have written a letter to many of the other countries on the Consul urging them to vote against the resolution. They claim that the LGBT rights group is a threat to human rights, including freedom of religion. See, countries on the consul include places where homosexuality is illegal and punishable by imprisonment, whipping, or death. Saudi Arabia, Malaysia, Egypt, and Pakistan are the most famously harsh countries. Homosexuality is also illegal in Cameroon, Ghana, Morocco, Moriatus, St. Kitts, and Nevis, St. Lucia, and Zambia. I'm not going to spend my vacation in any of those places, even though I'm a straight-on hetero. IGLHRC's mission is focused on eliminating such laws, and they advocate against state sanctions violence based on sexual orientation. Makes perfectly good sense to me, but there's a couple of guys in Congress who see it very differently. Smith and Franks want to kill the U.S. motion to recognize IGLHRC, they say, because the group never answered a question from the NGO committee about whether they would support the prosecution of a religious preacher for what he or she preaches against homosexuality. Sexuality. An IGLHRC spokesman said it's true her group has not answered that particular question because it was submitted in the last session of the committee. But, she said, the group has time and again affirmed that as a human rights organization, they support human rights, including freedom of religion and freedom of expression. I can tell by the pound you're tied. You're an American? Well, so am I. Hi, Bubba. How do, how do you do? And while we're on the subject, and while we're on the subject, and while we're on the subject, because you wazoo! Talking Points Memo says it was a Democrat, James Carville, the guy that looks like a cobra, 
who coined the phrase, it's the economy, stupid. And to this day, leading Democrats understand that Carville was correct. They get it all the way down to their trembling bones. They'd love to take dramatic steps to improve the economy, but Republicans are using every tool at their disposal to prevent that. It's true. It's led Democrats to blame Republicans explicitly for causing America's economic pain for short-term political gain, but it also means we're not going to see much in the way of economy-improving legislation in the months ahead. Absolutely so. The Republicans are dedicated to stopping any extension of um, unemployment benefits, loans to small businesses. They're going to go down to the bitter end against this, and it's going to literally destroy them. They think the worse the economy is come November, the better they're going to do election-wise, said Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid at a press conference. Senator Debbie Stabenow echoed that analysis last month on a conference call with reporters. She says, if the GOP can stop the recovery from occurring, if they can create as much pain as possible, people will be angry and will not vote at all or will vote against those in the majority, she implored. And she may be right. With Republicans pushing for tax cuts for the rich and blocking unemployment benefits, you can see where they're coming from. And yet, with unemployment hovering near 10%, official unemployment, and a midterm election threatening to sweep them out of power on Capitol Hill, Democrats are trapped and running out of time. Look at what we had to go through for the last eight weeks, said Reed spokesman Jim Manley. The fact is that we have a Republican Party that's betting on this president to fail. We'll continue to look at additional efforts to provide help in the economy, but the fact is, in this heavily polarized Senate, it's very difficult to get stuff done. I think Americans are angry, said House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer. Unfortunately, their anger, which should be focused on not returning to the Bush, Hastert, Bomer-McCain policies, is now redirected at Democrats. That's right, the GOP wants to keep them poor and angry. I don't really think this is a case of get them when they're down or get them when they're dead or almost dead, but Fox News contributor and host of the Fox Business's new libertarian show, Judge Andrew Napolitano, said recently that President Bush and Vice President Cheney should have been indicted over their administration's conduct around Guantanamo Bay. What President Bush did with the suspension of habeas corpus, with the whole concept of Guantanamo Bay, with the whole idea that he could avoid and evade federal laws, treaties, federal judges, and the Constitution was blatantly unconstitutional and in some cases criminal. Well, God, we said that. Yeah, right. I mean, we knew that at the time. I had that carved in my head and stood in front of the White House with that one. There you go. It was a lot of prints hard to read. So this guy is just figuring it out, huh? And he's a judge, huh? He's a judge. Here come the judge. I mean, let's. It's it's refreshing that someone doesn't forget war crimes. Eight years of a fascist coup doesn't forget what went down. You know, the Americans, I swear to you, they're going to forget the Gulf spill if that if that cap holds. You know, oh, yeah, I remember that. Boy, a fish really took a beating, you know. So, I don't know. It's just kind of refreshing to think that somebody comes back and says, do you remember we had a, basically an impeachable president who was a criminal? Here's the thing, though. It, you know, he's in Crawford or wherever, whatever hellhole he's in. But... The the what Guantanamo, Iraq, Iraq. There's they are still vast puddles of poop 
which which our soldiers are marching in, which our president is trying to dredge out of and you know, swim through and swim through. I mean, you can't get out of it. You these these. It wasn't just a a, a hideous time. It continues to be hideous, costly, uh, embarrassing, humiliating around the world. There's no way of actually building anything or discovering any new infrastructure, a new idea, because we're so embedded in in all of that, in those eight years of, of unconstitutional war crimes. So I'm glad. I'm glad with you that... Uh, that uh, somebody got to, uh, that somebody said something. Yeah, here, here comes News. the judge. Yeah, Fox News. Like we've been chronicling for ever so long, Senate Republicans have filibustered an extension on unemployment benefits on the grounds that Democrats aren't willing to cut spending or raise taxes to pay for them. It's crazy thinking. This is not the time to be worrying about deficits. But that's their that's their can't. At the same time, the Bush tax cuts are set to expire, and Republicans want them to be renewed for two days. Senate Minority Whip John Kyle, and you know he's a man that should be whipped by the majority. He should have to run the gauntlet for what he's been doing. John Kyle has raised eyebrows by insisting that emergency aid to unemployed people, what he called a necessary evil, he, on the other hand, in my estimation, is an unnecessary evil, be paid through either tax hikes or spending cuts, while the tax cuts, which mostly benefit wealthy people, not be offset in any way. That's right. Cut the taxes, but don't cut spending to in any way, you know, kind of balance out all the money that's going to be ripped out of the treasury. Yesterday claimed that this view is shared by most of the people in my party, and he was correct. That's been the majority Republican view for some time, said Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, that there's no evidence whatsoever that the Bush tax cuts actually diminished revenue. They increased revenue because of the vibrancy of these tax cuts in the economy. So I think that Senator Kyle was expressing the very view that Republicans hold in general. Well, the CBO and other budget experts strongly disagree. That's because, of course, they look at the figures. They don't have their heads sitting in the clouds and their butts on some lobbyist bench. And Democrats want to preserve the Bush tax cuts for people making less than 200000 to 250000 but only for them. Allowing them to expire for wealthier people would raise hundreds of billions of dollars over 10 years, which could allow them to offset the spending the Republicans are currently decrying. Yeah, they want spending cuts. They want spending cuts from entitlement programs, from Head Start, from school lunches. These people define the word Scrooge. Um, is there anything on TV? I don't know. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, wait, there's a... Phil? <clears throat> I have a note. I wanted to watch Watch It Hitler. Oh. That new comedy series about Roman slaves who adopt a baby they find in an East End junkyard. I heard about it. I heard about it. Yeah. It's in black and white, isn't it? I think so. It's yeah, something they new they're trying this Check year. film. Check yeah, film. and no sound, too. No sound? Yeah, right. Uh, or we could watch Policeman and Son. That's another new one. A lovable Scottish doctor runs a whelk stall in pre-national health Neesden and tries to cope when his wife runs off with a Roman slave. I think oh. that those two, Watch It, Hitler, and Policeman and Son, are back-to-back. -back. That's how the Roman slave... That's on the homosexual channel, isn't it? Yeah, Channel 69. Channel 16, Channel 96, West oh, Coast. Oh, right, West Coast. <coughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I'm Listen, sorry, there's, Doctor. There's, uh, uh, there's some stuff on here. Now, this is... this is. Those uh, are today's listens from the Sunday. Yeah, this is right. Okay. Okay. What time Friday, is it? Great. Yeah. Well, let's see. But why don't we look at about 7 o'clock okay. to see when things started, you know? Yeah.
Seven o'clock. Wild say. world. I'll warm up the this. Set, the tragic, the tragic beauty of forgotten young girls is highlighted in slow motion art films, featured a breast, a thigh, and a moving kiss, now extinct. It's on Wild World. The host is Roland Gott. I remember That's Roland. It. You remember Roland Gott? Roland he was in uh, Doctor Manzabar yes. of Mystery Island or that one. Of the, Which he, was it? He's got what those. it gets to take what he's got. I remember he was on. He was on Get It. Girls, it? girls around the girls. Yeah, he used right. to do that show. I oh, but you What's wouldn't want to watch that because at nine there's the Beanbag Championship oh. from Paris. Oh, Paris? From Paris. Oh, Paris. Yeah. Paris. Many people were killed in this year's 70th anniversary running of the Grand Bean de Bog. Oh boy. Which features some scenery of the surrounding electric wire factories. Oh, that's going to be boy, exciting. Is that coming it's in by satellite? Satellite. Yeah. satellite no, Benny Goodman do the music on that. I think yeah. there was a <coughs> big accident in that. Channel Three or four people fell down. Mm-hmm. Really? Channel uh, yeah. Channel 13 has that sitcom. <laughs> You know that sitcom. Sit point, 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 sitcom. Point, point. Where are your papers? <laughs> oh yeah, right. It's a travel. Oh, show. it's a travel I show. Music yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where are your papers? Yeah. No, I thought this was, but this is this is real. The Brunts wind their uh, up their round the globe trot with the Gay Passport Festival of Japan. Yeah, they had stuff. As Harold is imprisoned yeah, right, right. by traditional holiday police, isn't that that <laughs> must be an exciting episode? <laughs> like the ones in Venice that have the big swords yeah. and the red yeah. flags. What's on the uh, <laughs> no, how about, how about I FHA? Would rather, I would rather watch the FHA. Right. Because uh, it's more cultural. On Channel 22, for instance, there's a really nice discussion show, uh, program. It is written down. Oh, in yeah. which uh, yeah. Father Yaakov Bertman yeah. of the National Metallurgical Religious Conflagration disputes Dagwood Bumstead, oh. a lay preacher from Hollywood, California. Yeah. Topic, the true last words of Charles Manson, 60 oh, Minutes. Oh, that's a big Dagwood. Dagwood. They're pretty good on Dagwood's been that. missing, you know, now. No, uh, no, no. Two no. days. Yeah, I last time I saw him, he's been Here's the special. Wife, There's a special every cute. hour, even if you have to watch on Channel 28. Negroes a go-go. Oh, big yes. special. Modern woman's attempt to remove herself from the traditional restraints of Negroes, elks, and people with hair on different parts of their bodies. Three Negro hippie drug users, in quotes, are featured in a discussion titled Modern Day Life. Confusing? Yes? Or right on? Or not? Which is happily not resolved in this program. The women become entranced with the Negro hippie Spanish-speaking drug cultures and leave with them in a 1964 Plymouth that one of the guys just traded for a pound of sugared grass. No, no. Hey, listen, Darlene Yakamoto is 90 minutes of that. Great, that's watching. on tape. Hey, did you see Yes, Mistress? Did you see Yes, Mistress last Thursday? Yeah. Because it, they had a thing on the, where the oh, he s- did the guy over there did the, well, son, Danny, the son of the Danny s- Thomas, Danny Thomas and uh, and Lily Stein and the yeah. kid. They overhear him in the bathroom going through the secret door, and they think he says that he's a drug user. But what he really is is he's a drug userer, and he's making a fortune lending money on drugs. Ah, incredible. Like they father don't find like that son. out until Father Like the Son. Same guy. Like, like Father Like Son. That's, that's coming up, show. too. Yes, right. that's next year. Dr. Knows, the same guy, is also on Channel 40 in Tijuana now. After that, it's just a children's program, Creepies. creepies <laughs> but there's some the great watching. That's a tie-in with the food, uh, isn't it? Now, 7.30, oh, but now it's, it's 7:30. so late now. This is a great show, even though it's kind of a rerun, I think. Hobo Heroes. I didn't know that. What? Yeah, with radio patrols combing the area with radio combs, Andy and Dagwood decide to use Commander Roosevelt's two-way wrist handcuffs to broadcast <laughs> good jokes to the Chinese. Oh, <laughs> That's great. Boy. Andy Gump, Horace Wong, Dagwood Bumstead, Horace Height. Uh, horse, height. horse height. Horse height. Horse height. Horse a different fellow. He used to play that's ball. That's his drug drama. He was my couch. A coach. Horse ah. height. Horse height. Yeah. Horse height. Listen, there's a big musical special on Channel 4 at 7.30, Hall of Corridors. 
A musical? Yeah, Hall of Corridors, you know. That's, I that, can't that, get that's, the, that, that's the series. That's the series. The Littlest Marine, it's called. Oh, it's going to be a real charming one. Yeah. Char- oh, Char- yeah? yeah, right. Charles Everett Wilson Gump's ideal all people's family show. Little, li- little Squeezy Whitaker of UTV's Emmy Award winning Everybody's Negro stars as Hideo Bumstead. Hideo Bumstead? It's the Japanese cassette that's pre-show right. that they won't let us have for a year. The little, the, li- he plays the Littlest Marine on a Christmas Eve an Xmas Eve search. They must be saving space here. Uh, uh, an Xmas Eve search and destroy mission in the Holy Land. Mm. As the patrol nears Hollywood Boulevard, Hideo remembers that he's forgotten his heart. Directed mm. and coached by Dr. Carl Schickelgruber, Secretary of Health, Education, and Sickness, choreographed by General Ivan the Terrible Gruber. Mm. Original songs include Who I, Who Am I, What Time Is It, and Where Is Your Passport? <laughs> right. oh, good. That's good. a great Those one. are all musical questions. That's a great one. That's a special. That's At the a same good. time, though, Phil and Peter, you'll be glad right. to hear there's a uh, movie We're drama, Lame Duck, 1966. We can watch that while the, the guys are watching the other yeah. thing. Yeah. Right, right. right. No sure. We can watch Lame Duck. What's yeah. it about? A detective is killed by his three sons and rich uncle in a battle over motion picture rights. Daisy is portrayed by Lark Albatross and yeah. Donald is portrayed by Andrew Gump. Oh yeah, That's is 90 minutes. That? But at the same time, there's a movie on, a western scalp, oh. The Schnifter, 1935. Oh, that's a good old one. Listen to this. I'll tape that one on, on okay. videotape. We can watch well, it Well, I think this is the one. Rancher Dick Nixon has to make up his mind soon. Oh, I've been wanting to get that one. I'll tape that on the, on the new cartridge machine. Right. Great. Okay, go Either ahead. drop that bomb on the sheep men or yeah. lose his daughter to jazz musicians. Oh, oh what a dilemma. Hey. Look at who's in it. Frank Roosevelt. Barbara Bobo, Adolf Hitler, and Donald Duck. Oh, that's great. What a great <laughs> flick. I remember the poster for that. <laughs> right. Remember that? Hand in hand. Let me make sure the, the TV's oh, working. There's a plane that's Can not on for... Give me back my hand. Give me back my foot. I've been warming up much these things. There we go. There it comes in. That's Franklin Roosevelt. That's not the TV. That's the radio. Leave it on for a second. No, no, the, oh, the, the TV. The well, the TV is supposed well, to have only one plug TV's in here. Not Just working, a minute, I guess, huh? Just a minute. Let me see if I can put it in here.
those kisses Who drink so much they can't see Your underwear so fancy What makes the hee-haw matter how those kids swagger So everybody stagger Psychologists in the United States have been warned by their professional group not to take part in torturing detainees in U.S. custody. The American Psychological Association, the APA, has taken the unprecedented step of supporting an attempt to strip the license of a psychologist accused of overseeing the torture of a CIA detainee. The APA has told a Texas licensing board in a letter mailed at the beginning of July that accusations against James Mitchell represent patently unethical actions inconsistent with the organization's ethics guidelines. If any psychologist who was a member of the APA was found to have committed the acts alleged against Mitchell, he or she would be expelled from the APA membership, according to the letter. APA spokeswoman Rhea Farberman confirmed its contents. The letter is the first of its kind in the board's history, Farberman said. The allegations put forward in the complaint and those that are on the public record about Dr. Mitchell are simply so serious, and if true, such a gross violation of his professional ethics that we felt it necessary to act, Farberman said. We hear the good thing here is that in Nazi Germany, they had to wait until after the war for the people that won to do the investigation and start stripping people of their licenses. At least we're trying to take, you know, take that into, a, into consideration in the midst of the happening. En train de se faire. Mitchell is a retired Air Force psychologist who participated in the 2002 CIA interrogation of detainee Abu Zubaydah, according to a 2008 Senate Armed Services Committee report on the treatment of detainees in U.S. custody. Mitchell is not a member of the American Psychological Association. Interrogators in Thailand subjected Zubaydah to severe cold, food and sleep deprivation, confinement in a narrow box, and with Mitchell participating, a simulated form of drowning known as waterboarding, according to the complaint filed with the Texas State Board of Examiners of Psychologists. You see, We don't do it here in the United States. We ship it off to places like Thailand and Poland and Egypt and Exporto Platformo because we are moral 
cowards, bullies, torturers, and moral cowards. Regardless of what legal categories these techniques fall within, one conclusion is clear. This is a quote. A psychologist who helps inflict such cruel and shocking abuse on a defenseless human being would appear to have violated basic standards of conduct of the profession, according to the complaint by Northwestern University law professor Joseph Margulies and filed on behalf of a Texas psychologist. Okay, obviously, says Mitchell, hmm, I'm not free to discuss my work that I have done for the CIA. I'll bet he isn't. He called the complaint libelous and said it is riddled throughout with fabricated details, lies, distortions, and inaccuracies. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Mitchell, what lies, what fabricated details, what distortions, what inaccuracies? I know you can't talk about it. Maybe it keeps you up at night. Maybe it gives you night sweats. Maybe you'll come around someday and realize what a monster you are. But right now, of course, you're working for the CIA. So, of course, you can't talk about it. This is David Osman. I'm here on the road for Radio Free Oz, right here with international survival fashion designer Yves Zanstuhl. And, and for the first time, we're talking here right in his Paris atelier. Oui, David, and welcome to my electronic studio where I prepare now for my new show, Ce n'est pas une voile. Aha, uh-huh, and I understand that translates, this is not a veil. Now, now what is the inspiration behind the show? It's about David, you know, by the nouveau French... Uh, Bands of burqa law, uh-huh, uh-huh. where no one can wear clothing intended to hide the visage. Uh-huh. So naturellement, I must rush to the head of the modest ladies of Paris with a line of digital head coverings. Digital? Now tell me how that works. Well, I use the eye face application and project it from a tiny jewel in the nose, oh. the nails. Uh-huh. Take a look here at my model Shahrazad. Well, well, I, I can see that this must be a person covered head to toe in black. There's no no visage to be seen there. <laughs> Patience. Uh-huh. When I alert the eye from this handy tennis bracelet. Oh, there's a beautiful woman's face right, right there where the where the veil was. That is Catherine Deneuve. Oh, it's very inventive. Yes, she was. <laughs> now, there are dozens of multicultural faces a woman can choose from, plus the Salvador Dali style. Oh, well, that's, of course, a melty watch face. <laughs> and Rene Magritte. And right there it says, across where her eyes ought to be, this is not a veil, and that's the title of your show. <laughs> very tricky. Yes, tricky. I think it is. The sounds uh-huh. too survival fashion will outwit les flics, n'est-ce pas? <laughs> I hope but, so. But uh, one more thing to show yeah. you, David. Here are my deep depression heels in oiled sea turtle leather. Wow, wow, those are weird. You know, it is historical fashion fact that in the bad economic times, shoe heels become more elevated. Uh, huh? I did, I well, did now, here is Eve's your heel, the tour d'affaire of shoes. Oh, but, but, but wait a second, Eve. Uh, these, these shoes have no bottom. Neither does the economy. Oh, well, it's been another great visit with you, Eve, and uh, we're right here from Paris. This is David Osmond, back to Oz Central. Au revoir. Ah, the tale and trials of a Midwest bozo. Minnesota State Representative Tom Emmer, the presumptive Republican nominee for governor, we'll see how long that lasts, appears to be going into damage control mode in the wake of his proposal to lower the minimum wage for waiters by crediting their tips towards the state's wage requirement. He now has a listening tour session coming up at which he will meet with servers. 
Minnesota is one of the seven states that do not permit employers to pay less than the standard minimum wage to tipped workers. Federal law permits tipped workers' wages to be as low as $2.13 per hour, with tips given to workers credited against the minimum wage of $7.25. My, oh my, he's got a problem with that, see? Uh, what really got Emmer in trouble was his quote, the substance of which he attributed to a restaurateur, with the tips they get to take home, there are some people earning over $100,000 a year, more than the very people providing the jobs and investing not only their life savings but their family's future. Emmer's claimed that, that waitstaff were making six-figure salaries did not play well in the media. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of friends who are waiters and waitresses. I really do. They're using it to go through school or, they're, you know, they're actors waiting for a job. And most of them are making about 100 k Meanwhile, the restaurant owner involved said that he had received hateful phone calls over the matter. He also insisted that he never actually told Emmer that his staff members were making over a hundred grand, and that Emmer's quote itself was manipulated. But both the local paper and the Minnesota Public Radio separately reported Emmer saying exactly the same thing. In his press release announcing the listening session with servers, Emmer said, I'm looking forward to a robust discussion. Well, that's exactly what it got, because that did take place, and they did give him uh, uh, they served him. They served him up a big helping of crow. And at the end of his little talk, which didn't go well with the waiters and waitresses, they dumped a bag of 2,000 pennies on it, spreading it everywhere. Hey, Emmer, take a tip. I'm on the phone with Jenny Pell, permaculture designer, consultant, and educator, and someone who is going to bring the whole world of permaculture here uh, to Radio Free Oz. Nice to have you on the phone, Jenny. Really. Oh, it's great to be here, Peter. So here's the thing. We we hear this word permaculture a lot now, and, and a lot of people hear it, including myself, and are not really certain what it means. Give us a background in in the term and, and the work that you're doing in, in this rapidly developing, and I would say crucial field. Sure. Well, the, the easiest way to look at permaculture is that it's a design approach. It's a design methodology for realizing sustainable and abundant human settlements. And that's kind of a very quick way of saying that we look at all the systems we need to support a really thriving local human economy and biodiverse ecosystem and abundant and redundant water systems right where we live. So it segues perfectly into looking at uh, post-carbon or carbon-neutral ways of being in the world, whether you're in an urban setting, a suburban, or a rural setting. So we want to provide for our own food and for small livestock or in a larger setting, larger livestock, we want to have cisterns and ponds. We want to have bee forage and all kinds of products that we're going to make from our immediate environment and also looking at developing cottage industries that can build skills right in our local community to support all those systems. Well, Jenny, I just want to tell you, I'm, I'm sorry to break in, but when I, hear you, when I hear you speaking, it almost brings tears to my eyes. And the reason is, is that I know we're going through a great change in this country. And the kind of structures and the kind of science you're talking about, practical science, I think is going to really lead us into a new Eden. So I just wanted to tell you that. So please, please go on. I'm sorry if I broke your train of thought, but it's really important that you know well, how yeah. important this, this this really is. 
Well, what's happened, particularly in the Western culture, is that in the last, let's say, three to four generations, the amount of skills that we have lost is, is stunning. Yep. People don't know how to grow food. They don't even know how, if they do grow food, they don't know how to tell when it's ripe and they're supposed to harvest it. They have what I call harvest phobia. They don't know. They'll go to the store and buy kale rather than pick it out of their yard if they've grown it. They don't know how to fix things. People don't know how to even assess how much water that they're using. They just get a water bill and pay it. Right. So there's a really great story about um, in Australia now they've mandated uh, water collection off the roof, and people get a little meter in their house that tells them how much water that they're using and how quickly that's going down in their cisterns. Oh. So they found that just like overnight, the minute that that system goes in, people reduce their water consumption up to 50%, just seeing how much water that they're using. That's terrific. It really is. Yeah, so we're looking at, yeah. So we're trying to find like the most practical, sensible, common sense solutions that are very low tech in a very appropriate technology way to get people to be living locally, but living large. So passive solar hot water, passive solar design features for houses, um, finding the, look, looking around the world at what will grow in your particular climate, but come from other places that are delicious and prolific. So kiwis, for example, grow in Seattle. Yeah. They're great. You pick them in the fall, but they come ripe in January, February, so you have winter fruits. Wonderful. And you know, what you're talking about is not only very doable, it really smacks of the real American spirit. I mean, as Winston Churchill said, America always does the right thing after doing all the wrong things. And we've done... <laughs> We have done all the wrong things, and it's now time to do the right thing. So let me ask you, I've introduced you both as a designer and a consultant and an educator. To whom are you consulting? And then I want to find out how you can help educate us in this uh, technique of grand technique of permaculture. Okay, so right now I have, um, in my consulting work, I'm, I'm living in a city, I live in Seattle, and so I get hired to come to people's urban houses, front yards, backyards, side yards, and assess what they can grow there according to their time and their budget and if it faces south or, you know, the different variables on their particular lot. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, a lot of my clients, I'd say 80% of those folks, in two hours I can come on site, whip out a bunch of sketches, make a plant list, and almost give them permission. Like, they're really keen to do it already. Yeah. They know that they want to do it. And a lot of it's about, I specialize in edible perennials and vertical food and building trellises and arbors yeah. and some of those things. And then some of them will want to go on to put in some cisterns, systems, like a cistern, a water catchment system, or they want to put in um, a rainwater gardens. So we have salmon in our waterways here in Seattle. And when the rainwater washes all the oily, grime off the streets, it really damages the salmon runs. And right. so, yeah, the public utilities is partnering all over the city to put in rain gar rainwater gardens that will infiltrate water into the soil and bioremediate it that way. Bioremediate. So yeah, excuse me, bioremediate it, which means cleanse it through, through natural biological processes within the earth. Is that correct? That's right. And if you look at mycoremediation, which is through fungi, which is Another way of doing it is that the, the fungi actually is the main decomposer in our ecosystems. The microremediation piece, um, they actually, the, the fungi can break down the carbon bond, and so it will break down the petroleum product 
um, byproducts. Uh, so we do a lot of fungi stuff in our systems as well. Well, it's a it's a mushrooming so, business, so to speak. No, it's I mean, a mushrooming <laughs> business, indeed. It is. And guess what? They mushrooms really like to grow on coffee grounds. So in Seattle, it's perfect. Really, and in, in um, fact, when I don't throw mine out in time, I've gotten large <laughs> crops of mushrooms. I won't eat them because I'm afraid. Right. Now, one other thing, I'm trying to get a lot in a short time, and we're going to have many other sessions with you. But education. Where can people okay, so I, go? Yeah, what do you do, and where can people go to get a taste of this? Okay, so I do public speaking, lectures, and slideshows. I teach workshops, sometimes one-day, sometimes two-day workshops. Mm-hmm. And I have one coming up the end of July on passive solar hot water, mm-hmm. which you can do in Seattle nine months of the year. I have, um, I'll be teaching a workshop on edible hedges Ooh. and how to grow different fruiting shrubs that some of them are medicinal, some of them are just edible, some of them are for wildlife, and ones that also um, add soil tilth. Ah. I will be, I'm also working on a new lecture series on what I'm calling the, it's a storytelling lecture on peak. So we're coming to this peak moment of peak oil and peak water and peak population and all these different peaks or sort of a confluence of peaks happening. And I'm helping people to look at it Rather than the same same graph of this huge precipitous incline up the energy ascent last hundred years, what does it look like down the other side? And if we can start to participate in a permaculture world where you're planting food and collecting water and understanding how ponds work and looking at your systems in a different way, the profile out the other side of peak is very different. So how do I get people to participate in the storytelling by living the story themselves right now? Very good. And in fact, uh, I want to make sure people know where to go to get your website is permaculture.com. And nope, my website no, is permaculturenow.com. I read it wrong. Permaculture now, not just permaculture. Now is when we need it. Permaculture well, now, not permaculture later. Before I go, I just want to mention that the edible hedges, I wish we had edible hedge funds so we could eat those bastards up who have been taking us for a ride. But that's another kind of permaculture. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, we'll be back. Jenny Pell, permaculture, thank you so much. You're very welcome. I want the balance to come to me. And I'll play it back to you, and we'll have a rhythm, and it'll dance and flow. And you can be smoother than that, but don't take it, don't, don't take it too literal. You can take it ethereal, but, but, you know, it's, it's in the morning. Whoa, 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 yeah, yeah, this is where I go to school. It's kind of crazy, ain't it? The first time I saw the studio, I almost fainted. I couldn't contemplate how I had even made it from my late registration. Now I'm facing graduation, and I ain't stressing this recession. If it leads to a depression, it won't be in my mind. I'll be fine as long as I'm surviving off the beats and rhyming. Then I don't mind surviving off the and no rhyming. Cause where I'm standing right now, this is the best time to be grinding. Cause ain't nobody signing. So ain't nobody shining, no more dreams are going diamond It's fitting that fly talk, dudes acting like they street When they barely sidewalk, my best friend said that music comes from 
someone in transition So I'm sifting through pessimism and something uplifting So if you love something that is all the rhyme with the skill Then you gon' recognize when you see this really well See my people's always mention that the industry is missing something Hunting for someone coming with permission Not to mention an inch of scale And if that's how you feel, my name is now and this is how you let the beat build Peter, we are really looking forward to George's visit over this coming weekend, and uh, and we'll get him ready for the interview. George is uh, is getting on in years, and uh, when he does come and visit us, uh, you know, we like to have one of those days where he can just sit and look at the view and kind of relax. But um, I, I know he's looking forward to the interview as as well, and you can ask him any questions at all uh, today. Just to remind folks that uh, that George is really famous and has a star on Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, I'd like to take you back to a broadcast that uh, I helped him do several years back in uh, in Missouri, where he recreated his own walk down Hollywood Boulevard in uh, in Los Angeles to visit his star. From the golden age of Hollywood, it's the George Tirebiter story and another episode of The Ronald Reagan Murder Case. Well, thank you very much, Scott, and welcome to Hollywood, dear friends. (laughs) Out there to the west, you can't see the Pacific Ocean. No. When the cold fog hits the hot breath of all the would-bees, the should-have-beens, and the greatly unendowed who brood on the beach, well, it turns into a solid onshore bank of broken dreams. <laughs> and this is the boulevard of real stars. We're walking on all the greats, and uh, most of the ingrates, 
embedded here in the cement, along with a rich amalgam of a uh, 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 double bubble and uh, doggy do. Hmm. Oh, here's Louise Desiree, the silver siren of the silent screen. Her, her name here, you see, and a little brass movie camera. Oh, here's Merv Griffin. Now, now he and Johnny actually own this whole stretch of sidewalk, I believe. Yes. Little brass dollar sign under his name there, you see. And uh, down here, uh, Orson Welles. Uh, you see, he has a radio on his star. They don't like to remember Citizen Kane down here on the boulevard of broken glass. <laughs> My own star? Well, that's right over there, between the heavy metal t-shirt shop and the soul food stand. That's S-E-O-U-L. It's a Korean takeout chain. Very big here in L.A. I'm right around the corner from the Movie Town Underwear Museum, so, you know, I get a lot of foot traffic. Yes, it's here somewhere. Uh, excuse me, sir, you're standing on my star. Oh, sorry, I was just wiping off my foot. Yeah. Uh, the letters are lifting right out of the cement. Gorge tie biter. Huh. Well, I brought a can of Brasso along to spruce what's left of it up, and, uh, well, golly. As my old buddy Ron Regan used to say when he was on Death Valley Days. Golly, while I clean things up around here, well, we just have time for an exciting story of the Old West. It all starts at a necktie it party. It all starts at a rap party for Pardon My Pinup. Out at Gus Lemming's Beach Place in Malibu, late in 1944. Well, we, we heard that actuality with Yves Saint-Stuhl in mm -hmm. uh, Tehran, uh, the, what was it, the Chastity and Veil Parade? Yes, yes, a very big, big festival, actually. It was a whole festival. Well, ha, 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 you know, we mentioned mm -hmm. that lucky they, the, the women don't get stoned there. Well, our Iran's top human rights official said the Islamic regime is reviewing a sentence of execution by stoning for Sakina Ashtiani, a woman convicted of adultery in 2006. Sentences such as stoning will be closely reviewed and probably changed, Mohammad Javed Larijani told Iran's Islamic Republic news agency. Probably changed? Are we supposed to wait around and see if these medieval misogynists are going to change their warped minds? Wow. Well, I mean, maybe the lesson, they will lessen the number of stones. Well, hold on. Uh -huh. The lawyer told CNN that she was she confessed to the crime after being subjected to 99 lashes. She later recanted that confession and has denied the wrongdoing, but they won't give her any clemency. She went for clemency, and the conviction was based not on evidence, David, but on the determination out of three of five judges who refused to grant clemency. All of them men, of course, and all mm -hmm. of them, by my mm -hmm. account, sick, horny, religious fundamentalists doing their dirty work in the name of God. Boy. Mm. That, that, well, there's no, there's no way you can really be funny about that aspect of, no. of the law. Um, I'll tell you what, if those Ayatollahs really do begin to stone people, they better watch out because the people are going to start throwing stones back. My friend Jerry Wild back in Los Angeles sent me this. You know, you get lists of funny things, emails all the time, and sometimes they're this and sometimes they're that. But these are good. This is the Washington Post Mensa Inventational, which once again asked readers to take any word from the dictionary, alter it by adding or subtracting or changing one letter and supply a new definition. Here are the winners. Ready? Okay. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. Castration. 
the act of buying a house, which renders the subject financially <laughs> impotent for an indefinite period of time. <laughs> castration. Yeah, cash-tration. we are suffering good from one, castration. Uh, All right. Number two. Ignore anus. A person who's both stupid and an asshole. <laughs> Ignoranus. Ignoranus. Yeah. He's an ignoranus. Yes, yes. Uh, intoxication. Euphoria at getting a tax refund, which lasts until you realize it was your money to start with. <laughs> in tax, in taxification? Yeah. In taxification. Sounds oh. like, you know. Sounds like getting drunk inside a cab in New York, but yeah. I, I guess not. Go no, ahead. Okay. That's another one. Bozone. The substance surrounding stupid people that stops bright ideas from penetrating. The bozone layer, unfortunately, shows little sign of breaking down in the near future. <laughs> I think they're all bozones on this bus. They right? certainly are. All okay. Right. Forploy. Any misrepresentation any misrepresentation about yourself for the purpose of getting laid. <laughs> That's, that's a four-ploy. <laughs> four-ploy. I like it. Uh, hi, honey. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Here's okay. one. Giraffiti. Vandalism spray-painted very, very high. <laughs> Giraffiti. It's not bad. That's cute. You can tell your kids that one, right? Yeah. Not well, all of them. Yeah, I, I, that must uh, be in, in the big cities, yeah. And the other one becomes inoculate, to take coffee intravenously when you are running late. <laughs> many, many do that here in this part of the country. And, and the funny thing is, is that generally people who join Mensa have no sense of humor whatsoever. That's the surprising thing here. Usually they're just, they're, they're, they're the nerdiest nerds of all the nerds. But hey, this is good stuff. Sometimes I hate it when the show comes to an end. But you know, the end just presages tomorrow and it's, it's beginning. So give us something to take us into the night or because we're on the web, into the morning. Or into the afternoon with, yeah. with Lee Poe, um, listening to the monk Chun play his lute. Okay. A monk from Sichuan comes out of the mountains with a famous antique lute. He strums the strings once, and I hear the wind through a thousand valley pines. A traveler's heart is rinsed in flowing water. The echo mingles with temple bells in frosty air. Evening comes without warning into these green hills. Autumn clouds darkening. Who knows how many layers? Hey, who knows? Who knows? The loot man. Yeah, the loot knows. man knows. <laughs> Here we go. Radio Free Oz up on RadioFreeOz.com. Uh, I'm your host, Peter Bergman. I'm part of the Oz team, which includes our co-host, David Osman, our social media guru, Scott Wilde. Hey, Bill McIntyre is our producer. Dave Maloney does the audio and does it so well. Chaz Glass keeps us honest. Well, we're honest anyway. He just keeps us there. Tom Gedwillow says, yes, the web will stand. And uh, Phil Fountain just makes it so pretty. And John Cumming keeps it even. Ones and zeros. See you again tomorrow or yesterday or before. It doesn't matter. Time never gets in the way of Oz. <laughs>